1: And we are recording.
2: Mom, I want a snack. Where are you?
0: And we are song. recording. And boy, do we have a treat for you today. We're not <laughs> really talking about news. We're talking about angst and stress and dirty diapers and overanxious anxious sports parents and everything else that we may or may not be doing right for our children um so we've been talking about this for a while we thought this would be fun to do a mom cast so that's what we're doing today but um the token male in the room is bill sutton who's um on the record button this week hey bill
1: hey annette i'm bill sutton i'm the managing editor of the express news group and not a female and not a mom (laughs)
0: <laughs> you're a, you're a mom to dogs so I, I am. we could get into the 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 pooping scooping bit of the podcast a little bit later yeah. um also here is Catherine gimanu hey georgie
3: hey i'm georgie i'm one of the publishers of the express news group i'm a mom i'm a hair detangler i'm a preteen negotiator i'm all of the above
0: <laughs> and i'm annette Hinkle, and i'm the arts and living editor of the express news group and also joining us is writer extraordinaire kaylin riley and kaylin is also a mom extraordinaire and actually i'm a mom as well but my i'm in a different boat than these other two women on the show because my child is off to college which has its whole other set of stressors but we'll talk about that later so hey kaylin how are you
2: I'm good. I am ready to talk about the full spectrum of mom feels ready to get all up into it.
0: (laughs) So, uh, yeah, we thought that we should launch into this before we get too far into the school year, because um, I think that, I don't know, if I remember correctly, the school year beginning becomes, it's like a double-edged sword. There's excitement knowing that your kids are going to have structure, but then there's also stress knowing that your kids are going to have structure, you know, like there's going to (laughs) be, making them do the homework there's going to be the you know what do you mean you didn't eat your bologna sandwich 12 days in a row and they're all still in your backpack you know that kind of thing which i'm sure you guys can relate to uh so how's it going How, what are we into like week three or four here now with this with the school year three maybe
2: hello that's a loaded yeah. question how's it going
0: yeah. well, come on man shoot from the hip Kaylin. that's what you're good at do you really want to now <laughs> <laughs> yeah you do this is a tell-off uh,
2: Yeah. This is the time if you're listening to this podcast to jump ship or stay on the ship. That's right, and get get into this nest of feelings with us. Just get right in. But um, how's it going? Well, I think you hit the nail on the head, and that you know it's all like by the end of the summer, I am real ready for them to be back in some sort of routine and have structure. I know a lot of parents they might have their kids involved in certain activities camps etc for most of the summer but by the time you get to August and specifically end of August it's a bit of a free-for-all so the return of school sounds real appealing but then you know with that comes the whole morning routine which I once heard a mom I think it was Jessica Gross from the New York Times referred to mornings in their house like Thunderdome and I was like (laughs) yes that's 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 accurate Um, so there's that and then just you know The whole dance, song and dance of everything that goes on after school and the homework and getting it all done and making sure they're, you know, getting enough sleep, eating, all that structure and the calendar on the wall with like 85 moving parts to it becomes a different kind of stress, which I'm sure, Georgie, you know uh, plenty about that as well.
3: I do. Yeah, I mean, I think it's like it is kind of it is this blessing because I think by August, it's not just that it's a free for all, but your kids are tired from the summer, you know, they've been going to the beach, you know, they've been staying up later, they've been with their friends, it's been this like really fun, hopefully time for them. Um, but like, they're craving the structure of, you know, the five day school work week and everything that comes with that as much as I think your the parents are. Um, but you know, the morning routine, I feel like I don't know if you are at in week three, I'm in a pretty good routine at this point. Like, it's like almost
2: like never, ever, ever, ever. <laughs> A <laughs> good routine with the
3: morning. So I am like in a clockwork situation where it's like I wake up at about six. Um, I can drink coffee until about six fifteen. And then it's like it all starts to happen. And I have like the I have children who are different age groups. Um, my daughter is 13, my son is eight, so they have varying needs. Um, And so I just kind of follow a schedule in the morning and get them out the door. Um, So it's not too crazy. I do have to make lunch for my kids, which I don't know um, Mm -hmm. if Caitlin, I don't know if you have to make lunch for your kids, but I will tell you right now, if my school had a cafeteria, I don't care how hellish the food would be. I would never make a lunch again because it's like, you feel like you've just made breakfast for everyone. Now I'm making lunch for everybody, including my husband who goes to the office. And it just, you know, you just start to feel and like. Can I
1: just, can I just jump in and say that um, my parents made lunch for me every day. And then some days they would forget and they'd throw me a, well, a buck and a quarter. I'm aging myself, but, <laughs> and I would go and I would eat the cafeteria food. And you know what? I kind of liked it better because it was kind of hot and it was balanced and all that but I I was afraid to tell them that because um <laughs> because they were you know going through the routine and making the lunch every day and you know and all that so it was a cold sandwich and a twinkie versus you know versus uh, I, I
0: hate to tell you Bill but your parents probably would have loved it if you had told them that
2: I, uh, yeah
1: well that's that's my point you know yeah you
0: could have saved them a lot of grief
3: well and it's also like harder because with my kids my kids are weird
1: so was i <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah look at them Georgie, come
0: on
3: and so like my kids won't eat a sandwich you know so like i have to like you know slice several different ka- varieties of fruit into like individual containers and,
0: and they can't touch it cannot touch
3: kind of yogurt for this kid and this kind of yogurt for this kid because he doesn't like -hmm. that yogurt and this one needs an apple squeeze pouch but this one needs an apple (laughs) cup because they don't like it i mean it's just like
1: my mother would my mother would have never done that
0: (laughs) oh absolutely not (laughs) yeah my daughter used to eat she would eat everything in a she would eat everything except i don't think i think the touching was okay but she would eat all of one thing and then all of the next thing and all of the next thing there was no like round robin it. It was just literally in a row.
2: The school lunch thing is really fascinating in, for a lot of different reasons. So there's some schools out here, like my children go to East Quag School, so I have three kids. This is the only year they're all in school together, which is great. My oldest is in sixth, my middle is in third. My youngest is in kindergarten, and they have a lovely school lunch program there. They have a menu every month of what different hot lunch there's going to be. And they also have certain things that they have every day. And it is glorious. And I went to Pearson High School and Sag Harbor School District never had that. And I believe they still do not. So it was like a revelation to me. And so many mornings when things are either hectic or I maybe haven't gotten to the grocery store recently or recently enough to get whatever exact item it is that they want to eat because my kids are also weird and picky in exactly the same way you described Georgie like I just will tell them sometimes in the morning we're running late you just have to buy today and it was even more glorious when the last two years because of the pandemic the state made school lunch free so I I told them almost every day just buy. even if the things not by even though they didn't have to buy it even if the thing that's on the menu the hot lunch that day isn't your favorite you can just get you know bagel lunch or yogurt parfait or whatever and it's and it there's some mornings where it really really saves me and they and they they're happy I also think that there's been this thing with some parents where and their intentions are good they want to serve their children healthy, organic food, and there's like this stigma about, you know, serving your kid the cafeteria food or having them eat the cafeteria food. I think a lot of the time people lose like, yes, your kids need to eat a healthy, balanced diet. But it becomes a bit of an obsession for some parents. And at the end of the day, maybe this is just like worn out third mom speaking at the end of the day, I just want my children to put calories into (laughs) their body so that they aren't hangry full we'll stop. You want to eat the brunch for lunch today or the hot dog. I don't care. Calories in bad feelings <laughs> <Yeah>. out.
0: <laughs> well, you actually really see this. You see this come to roost in college because it's so funny. I, we, I'm on a Facebook page for the college where my daughter goes. And I love it like in the fall when the freshmen start and the the parents are just all in it. And like they're almost in tears because their, their kids are saying how inedible the, 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 dining hall food yeah. is it's like toughen up i'm sorry this is just you know and you know, guess what they're gonna go like get pizza afterwards anyway somewhere you know so the whole idea that's a really interesting thing about college which you guys will find as you get up there is that separation thing where you you know initially parents are they want to know every detail about what their kids are eating in the dining hall and then taking it up with the president of the university if they don't happen to like the hamburgers or something but then you sort of just you know you just let out all of that go it's like 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 I don't know what my child is eating when or where you know I mean I really don't yeah that's like part of the weaning process to get your kids
3: and I do want to make a quick correction on myself Pearson actually does have a cafeteria for the middle
0: high school Sag Harbor Elementary does not so they never did did they start bringing lunches over Did they start bringing lunches over to the elementary school? There was discussion about that
3: happening, but I'm not sure if that has materialized or not for the elementary school. But there was talk about that once they introduced the Learning Center in Sag Harbor, um, which is the former Stella Maris um, Regional Catholic School building. Um, Pre-pandemic, the district bought that building and... Um, and has made it a full-time pre-K, which that district really needed. Um, And they did discuss like maybe providing a lunch option for elementary school students. I'm not sure if that's happened. Mm -hmm. Interesting.
2: I don't think that it has. And I I only know this because um, friends of mine who have children in the school there, when I sent them a photo of the East Quag School monthly like lunch menu, they were like, what is this magic? And I was like, yeah, it's pretty, it's pretty sweet. It's pretty oh, nice. so a
0: lot of parents, a lot of parents moving to East Quag.
2: I mean, you know, it's just a night, nice, it's just something really nice to be able to rely on. And, you know, par- kids are coming from all kinds of different situations at home and they need, there's two things that I feel like are vital for everything for your kids well being, and it's food and sleep. If they don't have enough food inside, like if my kids start like acting wild for whatever reason, my immediate go to is like they're either tired or they're hungry and they don't even know they're hungry sometimes. And then you just like shove a granola bar in their face and then boom, you're like, oh, you're not a monster anymore. Well, you were Why didn't you just tell me you were hungry, but they just can't. A lot of the time, it's like they can't make that mental connection between why they're like raging out. I mean, it happens to me, too. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah. Absolutely.
1: Local support comes from the law firm of Toomey, Latham, Shea, Kelly, Dubin, and Raro. In these trying times, working full-time for their clients and the public interest, providing strong advocacy and attentive counsel. Be well advised. SuffolkLaw.com.
0: 27 Speaks, brought to you by Sag Harbor Books and Southampton Books, independent bookstores located in the villages at 7 Main Street in Sag Harbor and 16 Hampton Road in Southampton, carrying a wide selection of new books, stationery, toys, games, first editions, and rare books. Their entire inventory is browsable on the website, Southamptonsagharborbooks.com. Now hiring booksellers at both locations. So could I ask how I mean I, my my daughter was an only child but I wanted to if you guys want to talk about the relationship between the the, the your your children Georgie, you have two Caitlin, you have three you know do the different age groups and the different workloads at school or the different do they come out do they get stressed in different ways do you see more fighting when school starts or less or is there more cooperation between them I mean my
3: kids are um five years apart so um, Ella was you know very thoroughly dethroned when Charlie was born so there's a certain amount of angst I think she'll always have for him as a result because she still looks back fondly on um, the years she can remember when it, she was just the star of the show and there was just like nobody else getting the parental attention. Um, but yeah, I mean, her, she's an eighth grader, so and she's taking high school level math and science. Um, you know, she's a she is an academic, she is very good at school. And so her stressors are because she's in middle school, are social, of course, because that social world is becoming like so important at that age. Um, and academics and she you know she's kind of a perfectionist my son is like the opposite of her I mean he's like well she's buy the book and wants to check all the boxes he's like mom I'll just be over here chillaxing and you know I know that everything I need is going to just like kind of magically come my way um and he doesn't really have much stress in his life that he exhibits um but they They certainly don't fight though they do they They pick at each other um but again like their age They're so far apart in age and Ella is old enough where she is really starting to help us care for him, um, you know, in certain ways. So they pick at each other like siblings do, um, but they're not like they're not competitive because they just are operating on totally different planes, which, you know, Caitlin's children um, are a little bit closer
0: Mm-hmm. And
3: so they probably have a little bit more of that competitive
0: thing going on yeah what's going on in your house Kaylin
2: <laughs> well you know everything's very organized <laughs> and everyone gets along and we read books together as a family by the fire every <laughs> night <laughs> while we eat organic vegetables that I grew in my garden and that's pretty much it guys that's how it goes
0: Wait, are, are you also sewing all of your own clothing, right? Obviously. I'm that. basically
2: like Ma Ingalls over here from Little House and Prairie. <laughs> right, exactly. Dave plays the fiddle, and it's just... Little House and Quag. It's just hashtag less all the time. Um, no, it's the opposite of that. So <laughs> we all love each other, and it's normal and all that. But come yeah, on, come to mean, the I, chase. Come on. No, <laughs> my, my oldest is, is very, very much like Georgie's oldest, classic, first kid perfectionist vibes a little bit of angst if things don't you know go the way that she needs or expects them to go then you have number two who's like a real free spirit um and then i have you know the the third who i thought was going to be go with the flow and i was incorrect about that but he's you know they they all they all go through these periods of time where like sometimes it's you know, lately it's been my oldest and my youngest that have kind of been getting on each other's case a little bit. And the, the, my middle is sort of like the mediator, but it used to be the opposite. She used to kind of have like the classic, like rough go of it as a middle kid, because she's close in age to both of them. So she would have sort of that natural conflict of being close in age. And she, to her credit has somehow, I, I don't know if she just realized like she has to do this to survive, but she really, she is the peacemaker most frequently the oldest and the youngest are most like each more like each other and so they'll give each other the gears a little bit more lately even though once in kindergarten and once in sixth grade but the end of the summer they were fighting a lot and that's why i was glad for school to start because they were just together too much so they needed that like separation from each other for sure
3: That separation can, you know, I mean, again, like, I'm so happy that school started. But now my daughter has sports. She's a four sport athlete. So she's playing tennis right now. She's a tap dancer. She has that class. And, you know, Charlie is we're putting him in after school classes this year, because he's in this generation of kindergartners that well, he's not kindergarten around. He's in third grade, but COVID hit when he was in kindergarten. So just as you were like getting them into like karate and like all of the after school stuff that socializes those kids and like really helps their development with friendships and you know playdates and all across the board, that came to a screeching freaking halt for two years. Mm-hmm. So, um, so we've signed him up for he does an acting class, a soccer class, and tennis. And my calendar is just insane. It's like pick the kids up at this time, this one, or pick up Charlie at school, get him over to acting class, swing back, go get Ella from tennis, swing back, go pick up Charlie from acting, get them home. Now I've got to make sure their homework is completed. Oh, and by the way, I have to cook dinner, (laughs) you know, and, and this is, I'm, I'm fortunate. Like I am a fortunate woman because I can pick my kids up and I can ferry them around because I have flexibility in my work schedule. Like I really question how parents that have to punch in until five o'clock and stay in an office until five o'clock and can't choose to work into the evening to make up for that time. Like, I don't know how they do it. Truly,
2: I truly don't. I I feel as though this conversation has kind of been going on for a long time. And sometimes it feels like we as parents are like screaming into the, into the wind. And, you know, I always want to say parents, but then it, the thing that we all know is unfortunately true is so much of this falls on moms. And so it's really, it's really just rough because like, like you said, if you don't have a job that offers you flexibility, it's om- almost impossible. And and then even when you do, it's flexibility. Flexibility is a bit of a blessing and a curse, right? Because you say, okay, I'm grateful that I can go drive my kid to practice, but you have to make up for that time somewhere else too. So my alarm is set for 5am almost every morning, because if I don't get at least ahead on like, like Georgie said, that that like moment of calm where you have the coffee before they wake up is crucial, but also, because you have to kind of get ahead on some of your work, because you know that, you know, after school is madness as well, getting them here, there and everywhere. And so you know, you have to rely on the help of other parents. And everyone's situation is different too. some people have a retired set of parents that live nearby and can help them. Some people have to pay somebody to do it. But of course, as we know, with childcare, like, you get to a point where you know, when you look at how much money you're shelling out and how much you're making, and it just becomes, and and you want to be able to take your kids to things and be part of these things that are happening in their lives. So it's a real tricky, tricky balance. And, you know, being involved in things is great for them too. But I'm always constantly having this voice in my head. Anytime something new comes up that they could potentially be involved in, I'm like, oh, this would be really great for them. I think they would like this. It would be enriching for them, character building, whatever it is. Some of their friends are doing it. But then I'm always like, am I overscheduling them? I sort of mourn the loss of like after school play dates sometimes where kids are just kind of freestyling and not necessarily socializing at some sort of really structured activity. Cause that's important too, but it, it's very hard to find the time for them to do that.
3: I think that that kind of segues nicely into a conversation. Kaylin and I have had a lot about like, sp- like sports in particular, but, um, after school activities for children. And, you know, like, look, when I was a kid, I, I have a twin sister, you know, when I was Charlie's age, I got off the bus and my sister and I walked home together to an empty house. Um, I was eight years old, um, but we were together and my parents were both at work. My dad worked at the East Hampton Star and my mom worked at Southampton College. And, um, you know, we would hang out and make a snack and do our homework. And, you know, as we got older, we were doing after school sports. Um, But it wasn't like as intense as some of the schedules that I've seen some of my friends' children have and my own children to a certain extent. Um, You know, I feel like starting at a very young age. And I don't know if this happened with that, like, you know, like tiger mom helicopter, you know, parent generation that I think we saw a decade ago, but I mean, I'm seeing kids specialize in sports at age eight and they have a 12 month sports schedule laid out for them. Um, You know, again, from like eight years old, third grade. And, um, and then multiple other activities, you know, I, I see kids going from, a sports to dance. They're getting home at seven 30, eight o'clock at night. They still have homework to do. They haven't eaten dinner. Um, and honestly, like I watch it and my own daughter, there's one day of the week that her schedule is like that. I can't imagine it being more than that one day. Um, because it's mm-hmm. just so intense and there's just so much to accomplish and you know, they're kids. But I mean, yeah. I don't think I'm I'm wrong in that there's been this trend towards like almost the overscheduling. Of children and the, and the idea I think the philosophy behind it is of course rooted in goodness. It's parents wanting to give their children every opportunity they can to find confidence and succeed in a variety of activities. Um, and I'm sure the competitiveness of college as they get older comes into play. But you know when we talk about like the basic needs of your kids needing you know comfort and food and sleep like i don't know how half of these kids are
0: getting enough sleep at night <laughs> do you feel like the do you feel like the travel sports is replacing like the school sports and like becoming like that's amped up a lot as far as the competitiveness and the drive to succeed and also our kids opting to not even play on their school teams because they're on travel
2: teams yes that does happen and i that to me is So sad. Like, I don't know, you know, you have these certain kids who become, if they become very talented at a certain sport um, there are definitely instances. I know, you know, I'm not going to call anybody out in particular, but I absolutely know of high school kids who um, have been on a varsity team and then maybe their junior or senior year, they opt not to play on the varsity because they are on some sort of elite travel team And, you know, that's their they feel that that's their ticket to to the college team they want to be on or whatnot, or they're going to improve more. I, I don't know. But to me, that is really tragic in a certain way. Like when I think about what sports is, there's a lot of angst and fervor about sports. Right. Like I think what happens with parents is the idea of sports and their kids being a good athlete. It's, it's a prestige thing. It's like this almost like weird, like Darwinian kind of thing. Like my child will is like equipped to survive because they have athletic prowess or something. I don't know. It's just something a lot of parents like take this kind of almost like extreme pride in. And so it feels like something you have to try to chase. But when I think about my experience playing high school sports, it was funny we were watching uh high school musical the musical the series on disney plus last night and the end of the episode was kind of striking to me because these kids were all um they had finished a production and they were all so excited and the camaraderie they were kind of showing in this tv show and i was like that's what i loved about playing field hockey and so that's what you're supposed to get to me that's what you're supposed to get out of something, whether it's you're in the drama club or you're playing a sport, it's supposed to be about working hard collectively with your peers to achieve something with an end goal. And you've got to work together and all that kind of stuff. And you can't replace that. I I, I can't imagine like how, how you're going to feel 10 years down the road. Like, look, I don't know, maybe these kids won't regret it because they'll get into the college of their choice. But like, won't there be some part of you that will say like, Oh, I wish I had stayed with my friends and had that experience together yeah. with them. Like, I just feel like that's supposed to mean something. And it seems like it's on the verge of being lost, quite, quite frankly.
3: I mean, Ella is a tennis player and she's a good tennis player. And she could certainly just like go play tournaments at like East Hampton Indoor or any of these other places that have other non-school opportunities for tennis. But I feel like what you're saying is so right on, like the best times she's had in tennis is when she's working with her team and tennis is a, you know, she plays singles, you know, she's playing on her own. Mm -hmm. It's not even like, but it's still this team mentality and it's with her friends and, um, the bus, the
2: bus rides, the inside, the like, Camaraderie with the coach, whatever it is, and you know, not every team experience is great. Maybe you have conflict with someone on your team, or the coach isn't great, or your season's not going great. But I don't know. I just feel like that's those are your peers in school. There should there's just something about those kind of experiences that you're not necessarily going to get in the same kind of way that you would with a travel team. And some of it's like the travel teams. They it's not like they don't have merit. My kids are playing travel, travel sports as well. It's not as though we don't play travel sports, not on a year, not on like a, you know, super intense basis or for some sort of like cute team way far away or anything like that. But I don't hate travel sports. I just hate when they, when, when they're put in a position where they have to choose their high school team or their travel team, like one or the other, that seems it just shouldn't be that way.
0: Agreed. Yeah. So what about like social things? Like how does your kid's social life change when school starts again? And has that been any level of stress for you guys?
3: So Ella is kind of an interesting, um, example of that because so Ella and we lived in Sag Harbor I'm from Springs like my children are going to spring school just like I did go Ospreys Um, and I love that that makes me really happy but when Ella was a child when she was starting school we were in Sag Harbor we lived in Sag Harbor when she was in pre-k and when she was in kindergarten and then we were fortunate enough to buy our house in Springs and we moved back to East Hampton so Ella had like friends from birth, like the friends that she has, who remain some of her closest friends because I'm friends with their parents. And so it's like, you're going to be friends. We've- right. Whether you like
0: them or not. That's
3: what's happening. Um, so she has a couple of those that still are really strong in her life. Um, and then she has some Sag Harper friends that have like still remained that she sees at programs like, um, the um, HLA, the Hampton Lifeguard Association can't say enough good things about HLA and how healthy that is for kids. Highly recommend that for any parent that has a kid that's interested in um, swimming or just who likes to go to the ocean. Um, And then she has her Springs friends. And like I said earlier, she's 13. So like the social life is, you know, more and more important. She also has a group of friends from her tap studio that go to Ross, Sag Harbor, um, East Hampton, and Springs. Um, And when she is in her summer mode, we've noticed she didn't spend as much time with like her core group of friends from spring school. She was spending more time with either her dance friends or like friends from the city that she's met over the years at summer camp. Um, and there's a little anxiety there. Cause I think by the, like August, she hasn't like spent time with like the core group. They've been kind of spending time together. And she's like, am I like missing out FOMO? And we were like, you're good. Like you're going to get back to school and it's going to happen again. And it'll be kind of seamless. Unfortunately, that's exactly what happened. But in a way I'm kind of happy for her because I think Caitlin knows this as somebody who like me grew up out here there's this is like such a bubble that when you're in like middle school and high school and like social things start to like break down or like friends start to like have disagreements there can be this like end of the world mentality in your brain Mm -hmm. and in a way like Ella's kind of buffered from that because there's it's like well if this isn't working out I have these friends here so it I feel like that diversity of friendship is has actually ended up being a really healthy thing. For I also
0: think Georgie, just to let you know, I think the thing that's going to be really helpful for you is the way that, you know, all of the kids from Springs end up going to East Hampton High School. You know, you have that influx of new students freshman year. So um, it's actually, and I think, I feel like my daughter, when the influx came freshman year at East Hampton, she got a whole new crop of friends, you know, like, which is kind of nice. So, you know, the, the, the world widens out a little bit. So just when they're getting maybe a little tired of their small class, they are... Um, exposed to a larger universe of kids so. ella
3: has a couple of friends in ninth grade who have been relating that right. to us. they're Jeez. like it's actually kind of cool because you right. know we're in this much bigger environment but i'm meeting new people and right. you know it kind of takes the pressure off like if so and so doesn't like you you are screwed like that's, that's not it when you've got a bigger pool
2: that's not happening totally i i see that it's a, it's the same for us too and so this is where you know you worry about overscheduling your kids sometimes, but there there's undoubtedly benefits to them being involved in a bunch of different things. Kendall became very good friends with two girls, one of whom goes to Remsenburg Spionk Elementary School, one of whom is in Quag School, where in East Quag. And she's become really good friends with them. And I like that. And she got that through playing travel soccer. And I like that because they're going to be together next year in the same school and so it's nice like she has a very nice very lovely group of friends in east quag but it is east quag is like the same size as pearson you know if 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 east quag had its own high school it would roughly be the same size as pearson which is where i went to high school and it is true like you do the 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 little the groups that form in a small school like that are pretty small and if people things happen i mean like the plot of pretty much every single like YA book or movie is like, is like a friendship dumping. Like, you know, someone's, someone <laughs> decide like comes back from summer and all of a sudden she like wears eyeliner now and she doesn't want to be your friend anymore. Like, you know, so yeah. those things definitely happen <laughs> and you, and it's easier for your way easier for your kid to weather that kind of storm when that's, they don't feel like they have to do everything they can to stay in that person's life. They have other friends that they can hang out with or, or be with.
0: I described that to my daughter. It's like the, the Venn diagram of yeah. friendships, you know, like yes. maybe one overlaps here or two. So it's uh, yeah. And they
2: come and go in different seasons and the summer is such a crap shoot because you don't ever really know what people have yeah. going on in the summer. Like uh, one girl that Kendall has been pretty good friends with for a long time. She's heavily involved in lacrosse. So she was involved in a lot of lacrosse things. And then we just didn't like naturally end up in the same places a lot. Another girl that she's friends with plays lacrosse too, but her parents were both um, working in Southampton town lifeguards at Ponkwag, which is where my husband was also working as a lifeguard. And there they so we would on days when he would be working, we would go down there sometimes in the afternoon and they would be down there too. Their family was, was great because both parents would lifeguard there almost every day. And so those kids were basically like they were bringing their lunch pails to work too. Pretty much like their parents, you know, they would go with their parents and just be at the beach all day while their parents were, were working. So it was kind of nice because she got to see that friend more frequently So, you know, a lot of it's, but yes, you do go back to school and there's certain friends where they just haven't seen for a while, but luckily they kind of get back into their own rhythms and routines, which is nice.
3: Well, and cell phones, of course, have for the older kids changed everything about what your social life is. Um, really for better and for worse So, are we going there are we doing the cell phone conversation I mean I think in in some ways it helps your kids it, I mean when you decide your kid is ready for um a cell phone it helps you know them stay in touch with people that maybe like they wouldn't be able to otherwise you know like Ella's camp's friends from the city she still is texting here and there but then the social media aspect of that of course is you know kind of devastating yeah. as a parent to watch because you're watching so much of a social world that you were forced to make happen in a physical way when we were kids um happen yeah. in this digital way that obviously isn't as gratifying or real or tangible um and you know I'm, I'm kind of sad for them you know like it's like that fomo is
0: that fomo is real that fear of missing out my daughter went through a lot of that well during COVID in college when she was isolated in her apartment and she was just a wreck from it and she was you know sophomore in college um but just you know yeah that's that's a rough one i mean on
3: snapchat like i don't know how familiar the three of you are with snapchat i've had to become very familiar with it it's in my opinion the worst of all of the social media apps um and of I, course they use it the most. The one right? that they use the most by far and away the worst. And one So what do they do? What is Snapchat? Is that just like the one that disappears?
0: Yeah. Or, so that's one that...
3: thing I hate about it because my daughter does appreciate that while she has a cell phone, it might as well be mine and that I have full access to everything that she does on it. Um, but Snapchat messages disappear. So I really hate that. Um, because I can't I thought, like
1: I thought, aren't there isn't there software you can get or programs you can get those so that you can retrieve those
3: probably i have not gone down that rabbit (laughs) hole
1: you have nothing but time hi this is michael wright i'm a reporter for the southampton press the east hampton press the sag harbor express and 27 east.com I cover East Hampton Town and follow important stories about the environment, including the coming South Fork Wind Farm, its impact on the fishing industry, and other water quality issues. We follow East Hampton Town and village government, and I'm asking the tough questions and providing you with important answers. My colleagues and I in the editorial department work hard as watchdogs for this community, but we can't do it without our subscribers. If you find the work we're doing valuable to you, please subscribe by visiting 27east.com forward slash subscribe. Thank you very much.
2: But that's the thing that's so annoying about modern parenting is you can't, you have to allow your kids to have these things at a certain point because the the choice to not, and just like say, they can never have Snapchat or never have a phone Mm. is puts them into this like ostracization territory. But, You have to just invest so much more time and energy and money sometimes too to educate yourself about it. And there's just so much more on your plate and your to do list for parenting than there used to be. Like, you got to become like a, you got to become like knowledgeable about all of this stuff that didn't, wasn't ever a thing you had to do.
3: And you have to talk to your kids about like the psychology behind it. So on Snapchat, One of the features that I really hate for FOMO is there's this map. Um, So you go into the app and there's a map. It's the whole world, but usually it's like clued in on your like little part of the world. And there's the pictures of like everybody exactly where they are geographically. That's awful.
0: Like hanging out at other people's houses. So like, Say you have
3: three friends who decided to go to town together Uh and decided not to invite you. They might not have been like mean enough to be like, you're not invited, but they don't have to do that anymore because all you do is pull up the little map and you know, you're not invited. And meanwhile, there might've been a very good reason that, that has nothing to do with how wonderful a person you are that you're not there, you know, but you don't know that. I mean, the the anxiety that that map alone must raise for these kids yeah. just like
0: really bothers. Well, me. it's so funny. I just remember when I was in high school, like we didn't even have answering machines then. So if somebody called you to invite you to something, the phone would just ring so and if you were out it, it's like there was no stress or or like getting home and getting a message that oh you know that guy you liked was at the party i invited you to but you weren't around you know, like you never heard about it so whatever you know and you did it didn't it didn't get in your head like like this kind of stuff does right
2: there there's an incredible article that everyone should read on the cut by katherine i don't know how to pronounce her middle name jesser jazer morton she's an amazing writer she writes this column called Brooding for a Cut. Uh-huh. She the title is Why Does Giving My Son His First Phone Feel Like a Trap? Well, because it is. But she she had this anecdote in there. So her son just started seventh grade and she's kind of talking about all the angst she has about giving him a phone and what it means. And she, to your point, Annette, had this anecdote in there that like really um, oh my god, it just made me laugh. She said, When I was in high school in the mid 90s. I shared an email address with my dad. In the evenings, he would print out any emails I had received that day, maybe one or two from faraway friends, and slide them <laughs> under my bedroom door with the discretion of a Victorian <laughs> ballet. The thought of creating my own email address seemed like a massive headache, so I just tolerated our sharing agreement all the way until I graduated. It didn't suck, to be honest. I did all the usual teenagerly bad stuff just without emailing about it. In retrospect, it was not a bad approach. I'm not saying I wanna control access to my kids' texts until they're 18, but Mm. 14, ninth grade, seems like a reasonable idea. I mean, that just made me laugh. He would print the emails and slide them (laughs) under her door. Well, and
3: COVID I think has sped so much of this up for a lot of parents. Like we had no intention of Ella having a cell phone Before she was in seventh grade, but I mean, COVID hit and it was like, okay, here's your phone, you know, because now it was like, you know, she's trapped in her room. It was like her lifeline, but you know, you are opening this door to, you have a responsibility to understand that like suicide rates are through the roof for these kids just through the roof and that's like an actual fact and it's totally connected to social media and so you have to understand that and I mean I we do limit um her cell phone like she has to check it in at a certain point in the evening it does not stay in her room um because she's just like us I mean look at us we're all on our phones. Like, you know, can't miss an email. Can't miss a text. Can't miss a moment. I mean, their frontal lobes aren't even developed. They're definitely like that. Um, it's, it's no, so it's for sure. It's true.
2: Kaylin, do your kids have phones yet? Not yet. So Kendall's in si- in sixth grade. She does not have one yet. She has an iPad and she uses messenger kids. So anytime a friend, she like video chats with some of her friends on there. And like Georgie said, during the pandemic that was really key for her she has a cousin who she's very close with who lives in Massachusetts they will message each other every time a message goes through on there it comes through on my phone too so she knows I can see everything and I go in there and look at the messages and like uh, a lot of the time it's just like pictures of each other's dogs which is I'm like I'm gonna gonna miss this so soon because that's not what's gonna (laughs) stay like but you know it is she's asking for one and many of her friends have one and you know look I know for some parents it's a practicality because their kids maybe they li- they have they aren't home when their kids get home from school or they are getting picked up here there and everywhere and they feel like they need a way to be in touch with them um, but I also think like our current culture and the fact that we have all become so used to being able to know where anyone is, not even our kids, but anyone, anything at any time, it just feels w- w- like our whole brains have been rewired to feel like we need to be able to get in touch with yeah. someone at a moment's notice. And so I think even with our own kids, we're like, well, I need them to have the phone so I can know when they're home from school so I won't be there.
3: Ironically, my daughter just texted me. Asking if she could go to a friend's house after her tennis match. yeah and that's the thing like
1: but that but that's just culture now right I mean it's not I mean that's not just necessarily a, a kids thing that's the the culture thing I mean I'm old enough to remember when we didn't have cell phones and you know and and, and all that and and but the culture just it's kind a of total changed. Culture thing. I, I guess maybe the question is when when you know what, what is the appropriate age for that? But I, I, you know, and and I'm not a parent, so I don't understand the, the, you know, the.
2: but that's sometimes a good perspective to have from the outside. I think it all depends on your kid and their age. And if you have a kid that maybe like is, you know, if you have a kid who in that Snapchat situation, I mean, that's going to hurt anyone's feelings knowing that their friends are ditching them. But if you have the Mm. kind of kid that might get to the place of like, you know what, screw them then sooner Or if you have a kid that might be like devastated for like weeks and weeks about something like that, you know, you got to take their personality into account too, not just their age. Or a kid that's just immature and is going to like take a picture of their butt and like post it on Snapchat. Like, you know, the the snap disappears, but all anyone has to do is screenshot it, and then it then it. Then it can make the rounds, you know?
0: And that butt lives forever.
3: That's a big conversation I think every parent needs to make sure they're having with their kids. Is there's this concept that, oh, if I delete it, if I erase my history, if I do this, if I do that, that it's not forever when you post it on the web. It's forever. Wow. Yeah. When you it's all
2: that. everything is forever. I mean it's
0: it's forever. on your permanent record. So <laughs> as they used to say.
2: There's no such thing, any. Any trace you make digitally is never really gone; like yeah. it's there for forever, pretty much. The other thing is too; these algorithms, too, man, they know and they like they they will serve like disturbing, sh- you know, like even kids who might be into like Minecraft and like to watch Minecraft YouTubers. As p- is pointed out in this article, the algorithm serves them men's rights content, like. Mm you know so it's not just whatever you might say oh well this thing that my kid's watching is fine but then what kind of other stuff is getting sent their way
1: uh, that's a really fascinating and interesting point I mean that whatever they're doing on on those phones and, and and on the web is then getting served back to them um mm-hmm. you know in, in marketing and um yeah and all that that's,
0: well, men's rights? You mean like that incel stuff? Is that what you mean? Yeah,
2: I mean, I think like people that think like men are under attack, like uh, generally
0: women shouldn't have the right to vote, right? Means.
2: Like, <laughs> like uh, yeah, <laughs> like oh, the government's trying to control their bodies. Oh no, wait, that's women, yeah. but the men, oh, the men apparently need need more rights. Yeah, I wouldn't know about it yeah. but <laughs> anyway so yeah that's like you know this so the other thing about this article I keep referencing but the ending to it is a, uh, it's not it's not uplifting she <laughs> she wrote <laughs> she wrote at the end that the night after they gave their son his first phone he woke up from and he's 11 he woke up from a nightmare at 2 a.m something she said he never does and in the nightmare he was being attacked by a massive swarm of millions of bees and he was afraid that if he fell back asleep the bees would come back and she writes at the end i felt for him he had been handed a swarm the previous day it will follow him everywhere now he will learn to live with it but it will never leave him wow, wow. Uh, cuz it's true and she heavy. talks in the beginning of the article how she's now. like <laughs> i she's like i hate she said she's like i hate my phone and i use it all the time
1: well, you have yeah. to. I mean, that was my point. It's the culture now. It has to be part of, yep. you know, of your every every moment of your life. It has to you
2: be. have to make a conscious effort. And I fail every day at doing it. It's funny, a friend of mine, when I was out out east the other night, I had texted her like to let her know I'm out. I'm out this way if you want to get together. because She lives in Sag Harbor. And I just didn't hear back from her until like the next morning. And she's like, I'm so sorry. Like, I have my phone on silent all the time now. She's like if you want to get in touch with me, just call, like actually physically call me. And she even actually got a landline again. She's like, just call me because I'm trying to like not look at my phone for like long periods of time. So I don't know. And that's, that's. Well, you know,
3: unfortunately in our business, that's yeah. harder. Oh, Do you know what I mean? Like, and so it's really, that's so challenging. And I think in a way when we go away as a family and it's, it's important to model this for Ella, who has a phone. Charlie's eight. He does not have a phone. Um, but when we go away as a family, we will check our email in the morning. And then really, like, unless I'm, like, pulling a map up. It's like, no, that goes away. And then check our email in the evening. Now, obviously, if like some work emergency comes up, you know, Bill needs to get in touch with Gavin, he'll text or, you know, we'll find a way, we'll we'll work on an emergency basis. But like showing them like we're doing family time right now, whether it's on vacation, whether it's our Sundays at the beach, where it's like the phone's in the car. Like that's not what we're doing right now is really important because it shows them that even like, tech obsessed adults like ourselves we can moderate
0: ourselves here and there i wouldn't say that's true in my house but
2: it's so hard because the truth about parenting the the, like real sad truth is that you can like lecture or tell them anything you want but if they don't see you modeling the kind of behavior that you want them to display they're not going to do it and and likewise when they see you you know modeling bad behavior they they just pick up on it and so it's it's a real drag because you've got to really <laughs> like, you got to really be like, oh God, I got to be like, my,
0: oh, you got to be the adult I gotta be in like the my room, best self
2: all the time, whatever. <laughs> this is exhausting. <laughs> exhausting. But also, you know, I mean,
0: like, so I, I don't
3: want this podcast to come off as, like, you know, oh my God, this is like the most exhausting, awful thing in the whole world being a parent. Because the reality is like, there is nothing that I have done in my life. um, And there's nothing I ever will do in this life that means more to me than those two little people. And like, I still like there are times even with my pre my teenager she's not even pre-teenager anymore like I just catch myself looking at her and I'm just like where did you come from like I can't believe that you exist in the world and like I'm so excited for the world that you exist in the world do you know what I mean like I still have those like really amazing like incredible moments where it's like yeah that's exactly why we did this um
1: Well, it's cause and effect, right? That's why you go through all all the all the frustrating moments and the you know and the making the breakfasts and and you know and the lunches and all that, so so that you can have that moment and and, and at the end go that's that's the person that that you know that, that, that I wanted that I made that I raised and you know and all that.
2: It's always nice when you hear from the te- like you know your kids sometimes like the, your kids because they know that you love them unconditionally, they they it's a safe
1: yeah well i mean
2: the truth (laughs) is that it's it's a safe space for them at home like so i have to i this is what i tell myself sometimes make myself feel better i'm like they're acting like this because you've made them feel unconditionally loved and so they didn't think that you loved them this much they wouldn't behave like this because it would feel unsafe to behave this way and then i just try to like hold on to that but it's nice when you hear from their teachers, you know, because sometimes the way they act at home, you're just like, oh my God, like, are you, are you like acting like this at school? Because if you are like, whoa, but then you hear from their teachers, like, oh, they're a pleasure to have in class. They're so great. They did this, they did that. And you're like, wow, you know, like the other day I had a conversation with Claire's soccer coach and I'm like, is she like, be- because she was being a little like wild at home and I was like, is she behaving herself? He's like, She's like the calmest kid I have in practice. I was like, well, first, I'm going to pray for you if that's true. And second of all, <laughs> that's nice to hear because you just don't think like, sometimes they do make you wonder and you're like, OK, but then it does feel gratifying because, again, you're like all this effort and thought that you put into all this is exhausting, but then it feels worth it when they, you know, when they're pretty decent little people. That's all we can hope for. Mm
3: yeah, well I mean and I think what you said is so perfect. Like they're when they're being wild or crazy at home or being tough on you it's because they have that freedom. They don't feel like they have to keep themselves in right. line. Like they've done that all school mm-hmm. day. Like they've held it together the yeah. whole day and they come home and they're just like, yeah. and that's because they feel loved and they feel safe and they know that it's going to be right. okay. Because at the end of the day, the love in our house is totally unconditional. Even when I want to
0: scream and kill them sometimes. But just, so remember when they take it out on you, it's because they
2: love you.
1: They do. They do though.
2: <laughs> and when all else fails, you can go in the car and close the doors and scream yeah. just a little bit, and then you come back in and inside and then make lunch. I heard that's a thing that people do sometimes.
0: <laughs> so look for Kaylin on a street near you in a car screaming, with the <laughs> coming to a
2: neighborhood view. <laughs> Just keep driving. <laughs> Just keep driving. I'll be okay. Where are you? I'm going outside. All right, wait, wait, wait for your brother. Okay. That's what I was
1: to do. 27 Speaks is sponsored by the law firm of Toomey, Latham, Shea, Kelly, Dubin, and Corderaro. Strong advocacy and attentive counsel. Be well advised. Suffolklaw.com.
0: Thank you for listening. Join us again next week to hear what's news on the East End. Our interlude, flute music, is by Allison O'Reilly. Our opening and closing theme music is Boysdale Blues, written and performed by the incomparable Judy Carmichael. Listen to Judy's weekly show, Jazz Inspired, airing on an NPR station near you, or go to jazzinspired.com. 27 Speaks is a weekly podcast produced by the Express News Group, which includes the Southampton Press, the East Hampton Press, the Sag Harbor Express, 27East.com, and SagHarborExpress.com. Find us on the websites or subscribe through Apple Podcasts.